Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my podcast of storytelling. I love to tell stories selected from different authors across the geographies, across the time. All these stories are so famous, so colorful with their characters that it becomes uh, very difficult to resist the temptation of listening to them. And that's the reason I pick them up and present those stories before you. I'm very much hopeful that you are finding them quite entertaining. I've already completed the two parts of the stories and now I'm about to complete the third part. I divided the stories into three parts because uh, this particular story is way too long and to narrate continuously or to listen to it continuously it might be a little tiring for you. So I decided that why not uh, break the story into three parts and today I'm about to complete the third part of it and hope that you are going to enjoy this one. Here it goes. And he went away confused by the staring glances of those in the dormitory, bending his tall form to make himself seem smaller. And when he was in the street, he took a long breath. That evening, his comrades asked him, Well, how is Irma? He answered in a constrained voice, She has a troubled lungs. She is very ill. But a little lieutenant, sensing something from his manner, went to headquarters and the next day when the captain went into mass. He was welcomed by a volley of laughter and jokes that found vengeance at last. It was learned further that Irma had a spite marriage with stake matter of the Prussians that she had gone through the country on horseback with the colonel of the blue hussars and many others and that in Rouen she was no longer called anything but the wife of the Prussians. For eight days the captain was a victim of his regiment. He received by post and by messenger notes from those who can reveal the past and the future, circles of specialist medicines and the nature of which was inscribed in the package. And the colonel, catching the drift of it, said in a severe tone, Well, the captain had a pretty acquaintance. I send my compliments. At the end of the twelve days, he was appealed to by another letter from Irma. He tore it up with rage and made it proud to it. A week later, she told him again that she was very ill and wished to see him to say a farewell. He did not answer. After some more days, he received a note from the chaplain of the hospital. The girl Irma Bowlin is on her deathbed and begs you to come. He dared not refuse to oblige the chaplain, but he entered the hospital with a heart 
swelling with a wicked anger, with wounded vanity and humiliation. He found it, he found her scarcely changed at all, and thought that she had deceived him. What do you wish of me? he asked. I wish to say farewell, it appears that I am near the end. He did not believe it. Listen, he said. You have made me the laughing stock of the regiment, and I do not wish it to continue, she asked. What have I done? He was irritated at not knowing how to answer. But he said, Is it nothing that I return here to be joked by everybody on your account? She looked at him with the languid eyes, where shone a pale light of anger, and answered, what can I have done? I have not been gentle with you, perhaps. Is it because that I have sometimes asked for something, but for you? Erla remained with Monsieur Templier Papon and would not have found myself here today. Now you see, if anyone has a protest to make, it is not you. He answered in a clear tone, I have not made approaches, but I cannot continue to come to see you because your conduct with the Prussians has been the shame of the town. She sat up with a little shake in the bed and she replied, My conduct with the Prussians? But when I tell you that they took me, and when I tell you that if I took no thought of myself, it was because I wished to poison them. If I had wished to cure myself, it would not have been so difficult, I can tell you. But I wish to kill them, and I have killed them. Come now, I have killed them. He remained standing in, a, in any case, he said, it was a shame. She had a kind of suffocation and replied, Why is it the same for me to cause them to die and try to exterminate them? Tell me. You did not talk that way. When he used to come to my house in a G-dark Paris. Oh, it's a shame. You have not done as much with your cross of honor. I desire more merit than you, do you understand? More than you, for I have killed more Prussians than you. He stood stupefied before her, trembling with indignation. He stammered. Be still, you must be still, because those things I cannot allow anyone to touch open. But she was not listening. What harm have you done the Prussians? Would it have ever happened if you had kept them from coming to Rowan? Tell me. It is you who should stop and listen. And I have done more harm than you. Ah, yes, more harm to them. <clears throat> And I'm going to die for it while you are singing songs and making yourself fine to inveigle women. Upon each bed ahead was raised and all eyes looked at this man in uniform who stammered again. You must be still more quiet now, but she would not be quiet, she cried out. Ah, yes. You are a pretty poser. I know very well. I know you all. 
And I tell you that I have done them more harm than I, than I have killed more than all your regiment together. Come now, you coward. He went away, in fact, he fled, stretching his long legs as he passed between the two rows of ants, where the syphilitic patients were becoming silent, and he heard the gasping, stifled voice of Irma pursuing him. More than you, yes, I have killed more than you. He tumbled down the staircase four steps at a time and ran until he was shut fast in his room. The next day he heard that she was dead. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to the concluding part of the story, bed number 29.